church and I actually caught the very end of it. Then I tried to go out and buy some, <laughs> I went to buy some fireworks the other day. And uh, actually the same day of, hey, come here. <laughs> hey. Um, I went to actually buy some fireworks the other day. And, uh, and when I went out to buy the fireworks, I found out that they were like, like uh, $100 a pack. And, uh, and I thought very, very quickly um, after I had actually, we went out and we looked at the fireworks and my kids was, was kind of uh, saying, Dad, buy me some fireworks, buy me some fireworks. And it's funny because last year, the, fire, the same fireworks was like 70-some bucks. This year, they were $104. And I said, no, I, I, I ain't doing that. So they're already getting us in the food prices. They're getting us in the, in the gas prices. They're getting us with the house prices, the car prices. And now they're trying to get us with the fireworks. I said, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not having that. And so, so anyway, so um, my kids were kind of on me because they really wanted those fireworks. And I just couldn't buy those fireworks because they just simply... Uh, were outrageous, and so I told my kids, enjoy the ones that you're seeing up in the sky. But isn't it amazing that it seemed like you just can't ever satisfy your kids? And no matter what you do, they always seem like it's never enough. Am I the only parent that feels that way sometimes? <laughs> well, we're going to be uh, continuing. Uh, this is part two of our series, and we had been talking about a tested faith. And this is part two of that. And today we're going to be talking about, if you want to title this message, it's entitled God Why or God Why Me, whatever you want to, however you want to say it. Uh, why don't we begin in prayer this morning? Father, I just thank you for this word. Father, all those who are here this morning, though few we are, are ordained to be here this morning. And Father, I pray that whoever, uh, everyone that's under the sound of my voice right now will open their hearts and their minds to receive what the Spirit of God is wanting to say this morning. Father, I desperately pray today uh, that, Father God, that you would open our understanding, God, as we seek to try to bring some context to the reality of the situation that we face. All of us, Father, on some uh, Father, in some way are experiencing uh, life challenges and trying to get some answers, God. And I pray today that as the words spring forth, that the people will not see me and that the people who are listening to this CD will not hear me, but that they will sense what the Spirit of God is saying. This is a moment for the Spirit of God. So, Lord, I remove myself that you might speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Many of us have asked that question. I can tell you I've all, I'm always asking that question, why? You know, there's been times when, uh, you know, that perhaps when you've been in the Lord for a while, some people might try to insinuate that it's a little bit immature as a Christian to ask God why. Because if you're really spiritual, if you really, really love God, you don't ask God why. You just kind of like say, hey, it's God's will, and I'm just going to go through this and deal with it, not asking questions. But I've found in my own life, and as I have studied the scriptures, that it's okay to ask God why. 
In fact, you can recall that Jesus Christ, who knew that he was to come and to die for our sins, Jesus knew and understood what his mission was. He knew that he came in order to die that you and I might have life. And in his most profound and difficult moment, Jesus hanging up on the cross, you would have thought that he had forgotten about the reason why he came. You would have thought that somehow that it had suddenly escaped his mind as to why he was on the cross. Because Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One may ask the question, well, why would Jesus ask that question? He understood what his purpose was. He, he understood what God had called him to do. Because there's the human element. Even though Jesus was fully God, he was also fully man. And the human side of us, we want answers, don't we? That when things are happening that we cannot explain, we want God to, we want, we want something. We want God to say something to us so that we can try to understand what's happening in this moment of time in our lives. Sometimes we know exactly why things are happening because sometimes we make bad choices. Sometimes it's because of sin in our lives and, or because we may be harboring a, a sin and a feeling of bitterness and unforgiveness. And we recognize, and those are times we really know why some things turn out the way that they do. But what I want to talk about this morning specifically, though, is that when you have done everything that you know to do, when you have prayed and you have sought the face of God, as far as you know, there is no sin in your life that you have not confessed. And by the way, there are no perfect believers, right? And so we all understand that. There are none of those. I always say if you ever find a perfect church, you might as well leave because you'll mess it up. There are no perfect believers. But, but, but we want to talk to those this morning that you have done everything that you know to do. You've done everything. I mean, you serve God. You love God. You seek his face. You pray. You're trying to walk obediently before the Lord. And then all of a sudden, this hurricane comes in your life and you're like, God, what happened to me? God, how could this have happened to me? <laughs> Why do bad things happen to good people? There have been a whole bunch of books that have been written on that subject. You know, it's hard to explain why is it that 110 fathers of unborn children perish in the disaster of 911 when the Twin Towers fell. It's very hard to to understand how is it that I'm sure there were those who were in those towers who were in the prime of their life, who, by the way, loved God, and yet they were struck down by death. It's hard to understand that a, that a, that a, a godly woman can pray and seek the face of God and, 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 and beseech God for a baby, and she can't conceive, but yet there's somebody else Perhaps her neighbor, perhaps a friend, perhaps an acquaintance who don't love God at all. In fact, maybe even hooked on drugs and on crack. And they have babies and they throw them in the garbage can or they abuse their babies. But yet they keep spitting them out. But here you are. You're, you're serving God. I mean, you, you're praying. You, you're doing the right things. And, 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 and you can't get a breakthrough. How many of you have ever felt like that there was a target on your back? 
<laughs> you ever felt that way? That perhaps, you know, God has allowed all of the forces of hell to come at me because everything bad that could have happened have happened to me. Everything that, 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 that was terrible and horrible, it happened to me in a moment, and I'm trying to figure out, God, what's, what's this all about? God, I mean, are, have you singled me out? Everybody remember the story about Job. I used to hate reading the book of Job because I was always afraid that somehow they would come on me. And so what we try to do is we try to avoid because, you know, Job lost his family. He lost his kids. He lost I mean, his resources. He lost his health. All in a moment of time, God allows Satan to go to, to just run a rush out over Job. And I used to think to myself, boy, I don't want that to happen to me. And so I would try to avoid reading the book of Job sometimes. I know a lot of believers think that way because you don't want these things to happen to you. But I believe that sometimes it boils down to, oftentimes, uh, I would say that it boils down to our belief system. Somehow deep in our subconscious, we have kind of wired ourselves to believe that if I honor God the best that I know how, if I serve him diligently, if I feed the poor, if I live a life that is honoring to God, then somehow these things will escape me. It's a belief system that we have sometimes. And I don't know exactly where it comes from, but it's a reality. Perhaps it's based in what you have been taught when you have come up. The Bible does say that it is well with the righteous. But the Bible also says that in this world, you will have tribulation. Well, still, from our standpoint, we ask ourselves, well, yeah, but why, why does it have to come my way? Why, God, does it have to come my way? I mean, God, are you punishing me? Sometimes we think that, what this thing has happened to me because, you know, God is mad at you for something that you did. I know people like that. They, they tend to think that, you know, perhaps some sin that I committed, some act, something that I did in the past, that somehow God is angry at me and God is getting back at me. I had somebody tell me that recently, that the reason that they're in this predicament that they're in is because perhaps God is getting me back for that sin that I committed, that thing that I did. But one of the things that you must recognize is God is for you. For the scripture says in Romans chapter 8, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Look at your neighbor and say, God is for you. Who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? You know, the enemy loved to try to tell you the old God, God is mad at you. The reason why you're sick, the reason why you can't pay your bills, the reason why everything has gone wrong in your life is because Satan, God, I mean, I mean, Satan and God is angry at you and God is allowing Satan to come at you. And so we start having these feelings of condemnation and we start feeling guilty. We're like, gosh, you know, God, I, 
I feel bad about what I did. And what some people do is when they feel guilty, you know what they do? Instead of running to God, they retreat. Because in their subconscious, they've been, they've been telling themselves that God is not happy with me right now. But, but how many know that if you can't run to God for help, that there is no other help for you? I have come to find out in this life, and it's not because people are necessarily bad people, but I have come to recognize that because of the fallenness of man, that if you put your trust in man, you'll be disappointed every single time. I have learned that people will, will chew you up and they will spit you out. But one thing I have discovered with God, that, that any time that I find myself overwhelmed, even when I blow it, that I can run to God and I know he'll never turn his back on me. Oh, but your buddies will. Come on. Your friends will look at you, buddy, and they'll, they'll, they'll praise you one day, and they'll talk about you the next day. They'll tell you how wonderful you are, and they'll go back and tell somebody how wretched you are. They'll say all kinds of wonderful things to flatter you in your face, but then you find out they talk about you behind your back, and then you get all disappointed and mad. I've come to find out that the only thing that remains constant is the rock. Young people, you hear me well. You're going to find out, even at school, wherever you go in life, there are always going to be people that's going to disappoint you. They're going to let you down. They're going to talk about you. But at any point in your life, when you find that, that, that everything is against you and it seems like nobody is there for you, Jesus will be there. You know, and that brings comfort to me because what that, what that tells me is that God is for me. <laughs> he is for me. God is not against me. You know, you can blow it today, and you can, the Bible says that if you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So you can commit a sin, get right on your knees, say, God, I blew it today. God, will you help me? Will you restore me? And God is right there saying, come on, come on. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter that you're not perfect. All that matters is is that God is right there to catch you when you fall. Uh, see, that's good news because he is the rock of all ages. That's why the scripture called him the rock of all ages because we can depend on him. So this message this morning is not so much about, you know, uh, you know dealing with and trying to, under, to get all our whys, you know, our W-H-Y answered, but more or less, what is God doing in my life? And how am I supposed to respond when I find myself in a situation where I don't understand what God is doing? All of us have been there. Young people, if you haven't, keep living. You're going to get there one day when you're going to be standing there saying, why? Why, why me? I think of Evan. and I'm sure he's asked that question a thousand times. Why me? Why? You see? But you know, you think about the folks in the Bible. You think about David, who was used mightily by God. A lot of the great prophets, even Christ himself, they asked God the question, why? Why, God? In the book of Habakkuk, if you have your Bibles in the Old Testament, I want you to, to turn there. Habakkuk chapter number one. 
It's one of those favorite books that people read every single day. So it's easy to find in the Bible, right? I'm being sarcastic. But here in Habakkuk was a prophet of God. <laughs> Habakkuk finds himself in a time of his nation where he is seeing the wickedness of his nation. Several years before that, there was a king called Josiah, and there was a revival. The people had gotten rid of the sin that was in their lives. They had torn down the altars. The, the people had repented of all unrighteousness. There was a revival. The Spirit of God was moving. Things seemed like they were on the up. And all of a sudden, years removed from the revival, there's evil in the land. The country had fallen from the heights of that revival. There were violent treatments of her citizens, oppression against the poor, and the utter collapse of the legal system. The world around them was at war. Habakkuk himself believed that somehow because he had been crying out to God, that he was believing, he was thinking to himself, God, why haven't you done something yet? Don't you see, God, the wickedness is great in the land. Why haven't there been a change? And so Habakkuk was struggling with this thing. Now, he's a prophet. He's a man that's supposed to bring context and give answers to problems. Here he is. He's thinking that God has abandoned him. God has abandoned his people is what he's thinking. The hand of God is not manifest. I don't see God's hand in all of this. Evil men are in control. <laughs> There is trouble. There is plundering, violence, strife, contention. The law is powerless, and there is no justice, and there is just clear, perverse judgment in the land. And Habakkuk finds himself in his place, and he's saying to God, why? Why, God? Why have you allowed things to continue this way when you have the power to change it? You can change it right now because I, I read about the miracles. I, I, I know that you created the heavens and the earth. I, I know that the, the word of God says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and everything that's in it. I know that. Then, God, why don't you change this real quick for me? Here's kind of where Habakkuk found himself. And so in verse number one, he says, the, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Here's what he saw. He said, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounds the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Isaiah Habakkuk, I'm sorry, he asked God the question, how long shall I cry? How many have asked God that question? How long, God, do I have to keep crying out to you to do something about this situation? How long, God, do I have to weep day in and day out and wait for you to come and to deliver. You see, Habakkuk felt like we feel sometimes, that God is not listening. God, did you take a vacation? God, 
God, how long, God, do I have to keep praying? I mean, the preacher told me to pray. They told me to just seek the Lord. I mean, I've done all that. How long, God, do I need to keep crying out before you do something? You see, David asked the same thing in Psalm chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you. He says in verse 1, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? How many have ever felt like God was like eons away? God, in fact, I'm sitting here praying, but I don't even feel your presence. Boy, it feels like my prayers, it feels like brass. The, the, the sky feels like brass. I can't get through. I don't feel your presence. I mean, I, I've had those times when I've gotten goosebumps, when I felt the presence of God in my life, and it was strong. But now, God, in my most difficult and trying moment, I am sitting here crying out to you, and it seems like you're far away from me. Where are you? How long, God? Why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? I'm in trouble. Why are you hiding, God? Why are you hiding from me? Watch this. He says, the wicked in his pride, he persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not, does not seek God. God is, is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Hear, hear what the psalmist is saying. Look, God, how long? I mean, I've been praying to you. Now, I look over here at my next door neighbor. Their house is six times bigger than mine. God, I look over here at my next door neighbor. They got three or four cars. They got a Mercedes. They got a Jaguar. And they got an SUV. And the gas prices don't even bother them. They don't even think twice. They're not affected by it. And here you are. You can barely put put the church in your little car seeking the Lord. I'm serving God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can barely make it to church. And here they are. They're out there on the golf course, swinging the golf club. Or they're washing and shining their car. Or, you know, you see all the neighbors, you know, they have all these people come over, they have these big old fancy parties, and, and they, listen, God ain't even in their thoughts. They don't even care one iota about church. They look at you and you laugh, and they laugh at you. Look at them running over the church. And you're sitting here every week, and God talking, you're talking about tithing, you're trying to count the pennies. You're just trying to pay the bills. You're just trying to pay the mortgage. And yet this joker over here who do not love God, who don't have a desire after God, who is not seeking after God, they're not on their knees crying out. They're doing nothing but living according to their own desire. But here it is, the God that look at them and look at me. Why, God, is this happening? There's an unrighteousness about this thing. You see, that's what happens. See, we, we, we look and we see this thing and it don't look right. And it causes us to ponder. At the beginning of his service, I read Psalm 73, how David said, I almost slipped. What did he mean when he said he almost slipped? He said, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I saw how their children always look all healthy. They, they seem to have everything just, just going perfectly right. And here I am, God. I almost slipped, but then I, I had to go into the sanctuary of God, and I got a revelation. He says in that same psalm in Psalm chapter 10, Verse number 16, he says, the Lord is king forever. The nations have perished out of his hand. 
The Lord is king. What he was simply saying, even as he is saying in one breath, he don't understand all of this. He's saying in another breath, God is king. That God is the king and God is in control of this situation. He also said in verse 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. I know sometimes, let me tell you something, you can't ever go by your feelings. Feel, you mean that song? Feelings, nothing more than feelings. You know, you can't go by your feelings. Because there are some times that you're going to feel like God is listening to you. And there are going to be those other times it's going to feel like God is nowhere around. That's why the Bible said, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, that the just shall live by faith. You see, there are those times when you're not, you can't go by your feelings. I mean, know that some of us are moody. We don't know how we're going to be from one moment to the next. So you can't ever go by how you feel. You can't go by what it feels like because your feelings are up and down. Your emotions are up and down. But God remains the same. And so back to Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is here. You know? he, he, he finds himself in this very difficult place. And, 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 and all he saw was trouble. There was just continuing, continuous violence and strife and contention. You know, I, I think that way sometimes when I see so many things that happen in our nation. It seemed like even in our nation that there's continual violence is on the up. The passages of certain laws that seem to be just so ungodly and so wicked. Violence is in the street all over the place. You can't even go to the store. Uh, you know, I, I see people now, I mean, I, and, and it pains me. I, I get out of my car and I just want to go to the store and buy something. Somebody see me walking and they see me and, they, and I see females that grab their purse as if I'm coming to, to take their purse, as if I'm going to do something to them because they, because wicked, wickedness and unrighteousness is abounding in the earth today. And so people are fearful. Nobody trusts anymore. There's violence in the street. How many of us are always hearing about somebody getting shot and killed? Somebody at home being invaded? Somebody, I mean, robberies and, and homicides every single day. And if we're not careful, we can become desensitized to that. But see, here's the prophet. The prophet said, look, God, do you see all this violence, God? Do you see, God, this used to be this, this was a time, this was a nation that loved you. This was a nation where people cared about each other. This was a nation where we could depend on each other. And, I, and I'm looking at this thing right now, and it looks terrible. He even says in chapter number, in chapter 1, verse 12, same chapter. Watch this. He says, verse 12, are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my holy one. We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously? Watch this. And hold your tongue when the wicked devours. Why, God, do you hold your tongue and say nothing? <laughs> Here's where Habakkuk is. But then Habakkuk does something. And now we're about to bring some context because we've asked God the question, why? Keeping in mind that Habakkuk started by saying, why? Why God? But then in chapter 2, he got to a point that he just got sick and tired. How many of you have ever got, just got sick and tired? Uh -huh. And you just kind of said, in your own spirit, 
that I'm going to take matters into my own hands. You know, I believe that sometimes God persecutes and he, he allows affliction to come in our lives in order to push us into our destiny. Sometimes God, you see, sometimes if we remain comfortable, we just tend to take things for granted. But every now and then, what God would do is God would allow certain things that happen in your life. It happened to the early church. All the persecution that they got caused them to scatter. And when they went out, they started preaching the gospel everywhere they went. People started getting saved. The kingdom of God started growing. And so sometimes God would bring you to a place where you said, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of this. My situation has not changed. Something got to be done about this now. And so this man of God, this prophet of God, God became indignant, and he said, he said, listen, here's what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, watch this. I will stand by my watch, watch this now, and set myself, set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Here's what, here's what Habakkuk was saying. Habakkuk said, I am now going to take myself now. Here's what I'm going to do. Because he's, he's asking the question why. Remember that. He says, um, I don't seem, it seems like nothing is happening. So now he's getting serious. He says, I'm going to sit right here, and I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go anywhere till God answers me, till God gives me some direction. Now, watch this. Oftentimes, when you read the word of God, what you will discover, and this may not bring a delight to your heart, but it's the truth. How many know the truth will set you free? But oftentimes, what you will discover is that God don't always answer why. In fact, a lot of times he don't tell you why. But what he always does is give you direction on what's the next step. When Elijah was running from Jezebel, he was all upset, ducking and hiding and trying to figure out what was going on. And he got so depressed, he said, I don't want to do this no more. He was just off, he was just off of one of his greatest victories. He defeated all the prophets of Baal. And here this man running from a woman because she said, I'm going to take your life tomorrow. All of a sudden, Elijah is afraid, and God comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, why, why, why are you here? And Elijah starts just ramping off to God. Okay, this, that, they do this. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's here. Nobody, I, I'm trying to preach to these people. They don't want to hear me. Nobody want to listen. God said, get up. I got something else I want you to do. God didn't even entertain his complaints. But what God would always do is give you direction on what to do. And so, but here's the, here's the thing, folks, that we got to get to is we got to learn how to seek the Lord. You know, I think, think about this. In your most profound moment, you see, we are always busy. In Northern Virginia, boy, you're running all the time. But here's one thing that you got to get, and, and, and this is alert, alert. Let me tell you something. God will never operate on your schedule. God will, here's what I found out, and I've been walking with God for 18 years. God will never slow down and try to work himself into your schedule. You are going to have to take the bull by the horn and say, look, I am going to on purpose set my face to see God. If that means that I'm going to take a day of leave from work. Oh, that seems foreign, doesn't it? If that means that I got to take me a little trip up in the mountains to get alone with God, I'll do it. If that means that I'm going to ante up and I'm going to come to a prayer meeting because that's why I want, I want direct and total focus because I am looking for God to give me some direction in my life. And if that means that I got to stop what I'm doing to seek his face, I'm going to do it because this man was tenacious. He said, he said, listen, I'm going to sit right here until God gives me an answer. 
that God talks to me. Wow. You remember Jacob, he wrestled with God. Sometimes you got to wrestle to get your answer from God. Sometimes you just got to, sometimes you just got to stop everything and you got to say, look, my wife would tell you, I always get a bottle of water and I would get my backpack and I would go into the mountains the whole day and I'll be alone with God. Where are you going? I'm going to be alone. I, got, I, I need some answers. And, 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 and sometimes you got to come to that place. You see, and, and usually, you know, the reason why people don't see God the way they should is because they're not desperate enough. Uh, but boy, when you get desperate enough, you'll cry out to God. Most of us cry out to God in our affliction. We don't cry out to God when it's going good. We don't cry out to God when everything is just lovely. No, we cry out to God when it's hard. Because when it's going easy, there's a tendency to say, you know, you say a two-minute prayer and you're on your way. But boy, when you're really burdening your soul about something, oh, you spend the time crying out to God. Then now we have time to listen. Here is where Habakkuk was. He says, I'm going to sit right here. Good God Almighty. He says, I'm going to wait until I get an answer from God. Oh, God, give the church a hunger to seek after you, Lord. God says, watch this. God said that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's a promise. God said that if you seek me, first of all, when you come, you got to believe that I am who I said I am. And then you got to believe that I'm going to reward you. Now, if God, I, that's not Pastor Gary saying that. God says, I am a rewarder of those who will take the time to seek my face. He said, I reward those that seek me. So why aren't we seeking him? Why aren't we seeking him like we should? We, we want answers. But the only way you're going to get the answers is you got to slow down. It may mean you got to turn the television off, which is a constant source of strife in my home with my young ones. That means that sometimes I got to turn my dinner plate up. I got to fast. It may mean that I got to skip some important activity that I really wanted to do because I need God to speak to me. Here's the thing. God will answer you and give you direction when you get serious enough. He may, not answer you, he may not answer your why, but he will give you direction. He will tell you what the next step should be. He'll give that to you because God don't dwell in the past. He's, everything about God is moving forward. God is always moving forward. God doesn't sit back. He's not a God that dwells in the past. He's a God that moves. And so we got to learn how to ride with the spirit and move with what God is doing. God answered the prophet. Watch this. He says in, cha in chapter 2, verse 2, then the Lord answered when he got serious enough. When he said, I'm tired of it because you, you kind of get the feeling that he was saying how long God, he was crying out to God. But now he just got indignant and said, now I'm going to sit. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't doing nothing else. I'm not going to work. I ain't doing nothing until you talk to me. And so here the Bible says that the Lord answered him and said, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may that he may run who reads it for the vision is for yet an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So what did God say to Habakkuk? He said to Habakkuk, I'm about to answer your prayer. I'm going to give you a vision, but I want you to write it down. And I want you to know, I want you to know, Habakkuk, it's going to tarry. It's going to take a little while. 
but it will surely happen just like God said it's going to happen. It's, you're going to have to wait a little bit. But write it down. I want you to remember this day. Because you're going to remember when I gave you, when I spoke in your spirit, what I wanted you to do. And then he says in verse 4, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Faith. You know, I was, <laughs> I'll give you my own paraphrased version of faith. I was studying this thing and God spoke in my spirit and gave me a definition of faith. And I, you know, even though it's my own definition, I believe the spirit of God gave it to me and I believe it's consistent with the overall meaning of what faith really is. But watch this. Faith is living tenaciously, confidently, courageously, obediently toward God, absent of all or none of the information or facts to support your actions. That is what faith is. Living tenaciously, confidently, courageously, obedient toward God, absent of all or none of the information or facts to support it. I mean, how many know that God oftentimes will ask you to do things and require you to do stuff that don't make sense? Don't try to figure it out. Just obey. Listen, don't be trying to argue with God about what God said. Just do what he says. Don't try to make sense out of it. You know, one of the things I've discovered in walking with God, that you're going to drive yourself crazy. You're always going to be a yo-yo Christian if you always got to try to understand what God is saying. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. What that means is that is how I live. The Christian live a life of, it's a life of faith. Well, you know, even if you get an answer, even if things turn out the way you want them to turn out, how many know that right around the corner there's going to be another challenge? Uh, come on, somebody. I mean, I wish that I could tell you that after you get over this hurdle, it's going to be smooth sailing. But it doesn't work that way. Because God requires that the just shall live by faith. That means that every single day, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what's going to befall me. But I know that God's going to give me some directions. And I know that God is hearing me when I cry. And I know that he is in control of my life. I know that without any question at all. The Bible says, talking in 2 Corinthians, that we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not about what you see. Yeah, I often joke, you hear me, Kenneth's heard me say it a hundred, hundred thousand times almost it seems, that if I was simply building this church on what I saw, I would have stopped a long time ago with my, na with my natural eye. I'm just being, can I just be honest? I'm just being honest. Learning to live by, see this is a life, for, it's a normal life, is that every day you just walk in faith. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know what the answers are, but you know God is with you. And you know that he's going to be there for you when you call on him. And you know that your life is not just an accident. <laughs> and finally, he makes a declaration of faith. Now keep in mind, at the beginning, he was asking God why. Habakkuk was saying why. He wanted God to give him an answer. God didn't give him an answer. God said, look, I'm going to give you a vision for what I want you to do next. I want you to write this down. But I'm not going to dwell in why I did what I did because I'm God, you see. And when I'm God, you don't, you know, you, you got to understand God does what he wants to do. Uh-huh. 
And Paul even said it in the book of Romans. Paul says, who are you to reply against God, oh man? <laughs> Can God do with the clay what he desires to do with the clay? So God doesn't have to justify himself to any of us because he's God. But what God is saying to us is, watch this now. I'm going to tell you what I want you to do, and I just want you to do what I tell you to do. It may not even make sense to you, but just do it anyway. So here, Habakkuk is not even worrying about why anymore. Listen to what he says. Watch this. He says in chapter 3, in verses 17 through 19, and we're closing. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom. (laughs) Is this the same guy? Nor fruit be on the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. Glory to God. And so now, listen to me, Habakkuk now, he's not talking about why God. He's saying, no, he's saying now. He's saying, oh, he's saying, look, though, though it don't look like come out the way that I want it to come out, though this situation haven't changed, though I'm looking and there's no fruit, my resources economically, it's not happening, there's no fruitfulness in the thing that I'm doing, he said, I've, I've been crying. He said, though there is a, it, it seems like there's not a change, I am going to rejoice in my God Amen. in spite of it. Because, see, he got a revelation, see? His revelation, God gave him a vision. And when God gave him a vision, God told him what to do. He, it was that like confirmation. God is there. I mean, many of us, we just want to know God is there, don't That's we? Right. We just want to know that God is there. I just want to know, God, that this ain't just going on in my life and you're taking a vacation from me. I need to know. And, and Habakkuk got that revelation. He got it, boy. He said, he said, now, instead of saying, God, how long, how long, how long, God, when are you going to change? He said, look, it doesn't matter what it looks like now. I'm at rest with this thing. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise God anyhow. Right. It doesn't look like the way I want it to look like, but you know what? I'm going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to worship him anyhow. It does not matter what it appears like. I'm going to bless you, God, because I know that my redeemer lives, and I know that it is well with the righteous no matter what it looks like in the natural. It is well with my soul. He, he says, and he will make me walk on my high heels. And then, ladies, he's not talking about those pumps. See, he's talking about when he says he's going to cause you to, to walk on high heels, you're going to walk above those problems. God's going to lift you up out of that stuff. He's going to set your feet on solid ground, and you're going to walk above that thing, and God's going to pull you up out of it. But the way that he pulls you up out of it is that you got to seek him and get direction and say, God, okay, here's where I am. Now what do you want me to do next? When you make that commitment to God, God will give you an answer, and you will find yourself at peace. And you will find that God will lift you above every one of your challenges. And you will keep having victory upon victory. Because like Habakkuk says, he says, God's going to cause me to rise above this. Do you believe that today? That you can rise above your problem? That God's going to lift you up? Don't let the devil tell you that God ain't heard you. Don't let the devil tell you that God is taking a vacation. God's not listening to you. That is a trick of the enemy. And, you know, you know, the other thing that is so encouraging to me is that these great people of faith, 
Because we t- here's what we do in the Bible. When you look at the Bible, we tend to, because this is just how we are, we focus on all the things, the good things that God did, you know, how he answered the prayers of the people. And we talk about that. Yeah, so we, so we automatically think, okay, God's supposed to answer my prayers. Like, I want him to answer my prayer. So then when God doesn't answer my prayer, we get discouraged, right? And that's what leads us to asking why. But there's the other side to the word of God. There's called, it's called context. There were times when great men and women of faith, that God did not answer them. God did not tell them why. He told them what to do next. But there were many great people that were just like you and I today. They're trying to figure out what am I, what's going on. Why? Why did this happen? You can drive yourself crazy. I can imagine that those people that have tragic situations happen, like in September 11th, 2001, that many of them are trying to figure out why did this happen. You can drive yourself crazy by saying why. Because you can be stuck in your now and you never can grasp and lay hold on your future. Because God is greater than your problem. And I talked last week about that. God is greater than your problem. And if we make sure that we understand that whatever problem I have, that we don't exalt that problem above our God who can solve them, who have victory in our life. We have victory. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that you are faithful. God, we we don't always know all the answers to why. And Lord, it's it's our understanding and conviction, Lord, that you don't want us to always know why. But you still have a work for us to do right here and right now. And God, I pray that everybody that's seeking you for direction under the sound of my voice, that God, that you will speak to them, give them a vision, Give them a sense of direction and a sense of purpose, God, that they will know what it is that they are supposed to do. For, Father God, you said in your word, good God Almighty, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're ordered by you. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us a peace, give us a confidence and a steadfastness to press into our destiny and our purpose and that we become indignant like Habakkuk and just get to a point where we say, God, now I'm going to stay right here until you talk to me, until you give me an answer. And I pray that, God, that even as you said in your word, this is not me. You said that you are a rewarder of those that will get serious about seeking you. You said that. And so we're going to be serious about seeking your face, knowing that you're going to reward us. We thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point of